Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie K, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you Dorothy L. Sayers' Lord Peter Whimsey in Whose Body, which is a tale that first introduced Lord Peter to the world and sees him investigating the case of a corpse in a Battersea bathtub and a vanished oil millionaire. This will be a five-part series, so sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this nostalgic mystery radio. Thank you for listening. Lord Peter Whimsey. Starring Ian Carmichael as Lord Peter and Peter Jones as Bunter. Whose Body by Dorothy L. Sayers, adapted by Chris Miller in five episodes. Episode 2, Disappearance of a Financier. Lord Peter Whimsey is investigating the mysterious appearance of the body of a middle-aged man, totally naked, except for a pair of gold pince-nez, in the bath of Mr Thipps, a Battersea architect. The morning after the discovery, his friend Inspector Parker, who is engaged in trying to trace a missing oil millionaire, calls round at Lord Peter's Piccadilly flat. Mr Parker, my lord. Morning, Peter. Ah, Charles, just the fellow I wanted to see. Come in, old lad, and sit down. Bunter, a glass of Madeira for Mr Parker. Uh, very good, my lord. Now then, Charles, what's all this about Sir Reuben Levy? Papers are full of it this morning. Let's look at this. Mysterious disappearance of famous financier. Well, what's it all about? And what in heaven's name makes you think that my body in the bath is your rich and elegant businessman, eh? Uh... My fellow's a poor working chap who's simply been groomed manicured to disguise him. I never said I thought it was Levy, Peter. Bunter... What did Mr Parker say on the telephone last night? That the gentleman in the bath would be extraordinarily like Sir Reuben if he had a beard, my lord. Not that he was him, you see, Whimsy, that he was like him. No, it's Sug who's got bitten with the idea that they're one and the same just because they're both Hebrews. In fact, he's wildly telephoning Lady Levy to come and identify the body. And as she's abroad with the family, somebody may well step in and say that it is Sir Reuben and Sug will build up a lovely theory like the Tower of Babel and destined so to perish. Sug! Sug is a beautiful brain ass. He's like a detective in a novel. The idea is preposterous. Exactly. However, what you want is the whole yarn whimsy, so let me tell you. Righty here. But do you mind if Bunter hears it too? An invaluable man who knows Bunter. Amazing fellow with a camera. Uh, Bunter? Yes, my lord? Come and see Mr Parker's new trick, the vanishing financier. Absolutely no deception. Hey, presto, pass, and where is he? The quickness of the end deceives the high. Well, I'm afraid it's not much of a story so far, actually. Oh. Well, the old chap may have cleared off for his own reasons. He disappeared yesterday morning. The servants got alarmed as they knew he was due to attend a most important financial meeting, some deal involving millions... The old boys know to have enemies who just as soon the deal didn't come off. Yesterday morning? Yes, a fool of a sergeant sat on the case for most of the day and then they called me in. Well, what have you found out? Well, not much, I confess. Uh, 
He dined the night before last with three friends at the Ritz, and after dinner, friends went to the theatre, but he refused to go with them on account of an appointment. Well, I haven't yet been able to trace the appointment, but I know it was in Battersea, because by chance he was spotted there at about a quarter to nine. Yes, Bunter mentioned that too. Oh, ain't it that Battersea should feature in your case as well? Who spotted him? By a young woman. She was strolling up the Battersea Park Road for purposes best known to herself, if you understand me, ah. and recognised him from her days in the West End. The girls there call him Sea Green Incorruptible. They don't waste their time with him. And that was the last time you were seen? No. No, the cook saw him on the doorstep when he returned home to his house in Bark Lane at midnight. She heard him let himself in, and then he walked upstairs, undressed, and went to bed. Next morning, he wasn't there. That's all. Oh, it ain't all, you know. Oh, oh no, it ain't all. That's not half a story. But it is all. When his man came to call him yesterday morning, he wasn't there. The bed had been slept in. He'd washed and cleaned his teeth and done all the usual things. His pyjamas, all his clothes were there, and he'd put his boots in the dressing room as usual. Now, the only odd thing was that the clothes he'd been wearing were thrown rather untidily on the ottoman at the foot of the bed. Instead of being folded on a chair, as is Sir Reuben's custom, looking as though he'd been rather agitated or unwell. But no clean clothes were missing. But hang it all, Charles. A man don't come in and go to bed and then walk away again mid nuddins on in the middle of the night. Did he take nothing with him? Miss Latchkey. But not his watch, <clears throat> his purse, his checkbook, nor most mysterious of all, his spectacles, without which he can't see a step as he's extremely short-sighted. Wow. Now, that is important, Charles. You sure he didn't take a second pair? No, his man Graves vouches for it that he only has two pairs, both of which were found in his room. Ah, well, you got me there, old lad. What do you think, Bunter? Not in my department, my lord, but I would have thought that even if the gentleman had gone out with the intention of committing suicide, he would have taken his spectacles. So you'd think, yes, or he'd have been killed as soon as he stepped off the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts, Bunter? Well, my lord, it is odd that a gentleman who was too flurried or unwell to fold his clothes as usual should remember to clean his teeth and put his boots out. Those are two things that quite frequently get uh, overlooked, my lord. If you're implying anything personal, Bunter, I can only say that I think the speech an unworthy one. Is that really all, Charles? Well, yes, except for one trifling circumstance. Ah, I love trifling circumstances. So many men have been hanged by trifling circumstances. What was it? Well, Sir Reuben and Lady Levy are a most devoted couple, always share the same room. In Lady Levy's absence, Sir Reuben sleeps in the double bed, as usual, and invariably on his own side, the outside. And the night before last, he slept in the middle, or, if anything, rather closer to the wall than otherwise. And the housemaid, who's an intelligent girl, noticed this when she went to make up the bed, and with admirable detective instinct, refused to touch the bed or let anyone else touch it. Now, that is just interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. A sweet little problem, Parker mine. Look here, I don't want to butt in, but I should dearly love to see that bedroom. Of course you can come and see it. You'll probably find lots of things we overlooked. Uh, who's that? Excuse me, my lord. Mm -hmm. Come along to Levy's place now, Whimsy, if you like. I'm just going round there. Oh, I can't come now, dear. I'm invited out to lunch at Wyndham's. Yes, Bunter? A telegram, my lord. Oh, thank you. I'll tell you what, though, Charles, I'll send Bunter along with his photographic contraption, if I may, and join you there after lunch. Of course. Mm -hmm. Aha! 
A reply to our advertisement, Bunter. Uh, my lord? About the gold pince-nez found on the Battersea body. Ah. It's from Mr Crimplesham of Salisbury. Claims he owns them. Well, well, well. Well, we'll deal with Salisbury later. Sir Reuben Levy must be found first. Uh, look, I say, Charles, hmm? why don't we go into partnership? Pull the two cases and work them out together, why? It's always so much easier to work on someone else's job than one's own. Gives one that delightful feeling of interfering and bossing about, combined <laughs> with the glorious sensation that another fellow is taking all one's own work off one's hands. Agreed, Peter. Stout fella! Come along then, Bunter, I'd better change. Very good, my lord. Toot a pip, Charles. See you after lunch. Cheer, Whimsy. Well, Bunter, number 9A Park Lane. Very good, sir. I'll be round in about half an hour. Number 9A Park Lane. <laughs> Well, this is the kitchen, Hunter. Oh, and uh, this is Price, the parlourmaid. Morning, Miss Price. How do you do, Mr Bunter? I think Price should be able to get you everything you need, Bunter, but if you have any problems, I shall be upstairs in Sir Reuben's bedroom. Thank you, sir. Now then, um, Miss Price, if you'd be so good as to pass that basket of things over, being careful not to touch any of them, we can uh, get to work. Here you are, Mr Bunter. Thank you. Mm. Water bottle, hairbrush, boots, tooth glass, bedside book, umbrella, small roll of linoleum. Oh, yes, that's uh, from in front of the washstand, of course. Well, let's start with the bottle and the boots, shall we, Miss Price? Yes, Mr Bunter. Oh, don't touch them. Oh, I've oh. got rubber gloves, you see. I'm a careful criminal. <laughs> don't want to leave any traces. That's it. Now, my dear, I wonder if you just pour a little of this grey powder over the edge of the bottle while I'm holding it. Yes. And the same with this boot here at the top. Thank you, Miss Price. Uh, what is your other name, uh, by the way? Mabel. Mabel, eh? That's a name I'm uncommonly partial to. Oh, now, that's very nicely done. You've a steady hand, Miss Mabel. See that? That's the finger marks. Three there and two here and smudged over in both places. Oh. Yes. Ooh. Well, we'll stand them up here now till they're ready to have their portraits taken. Now then, let's take the hairbrush next. Yes. Perhaps, Miss Mabel, you'd like to lift him up carefully. By the bristles. Oh. No, we'll try the lamp black this time. Oh, perfect. That's a beautiful set. No smudget at all, you see? Oh. Ain't this fun? <laughs> just routine, Miss Mabel, just routine. It's when Lord Peter gets back from lunch things will really start to happen. He's probably working on a theory right now. Yes, he's probably working on a theory at this very moment. Freddie, mm -hmm. there's a bit of cork in my glass. Cork? Waiter! Sir? There's a bit of cork in Lord Peter's glass. Oh, I am extremely sorry. Now, you'll hear about this, waiter. Sorry, Peter. What were you saying? Oh, uh, yes, well, I was just inquiring about those Argentines you're so fond of fooling around with on the stock exchange. Argentines? Well, frankly, Peter, they've all gone to hell. Oh, Levy bunking off like that's not the bottom out of the market. You don't say. What do you suppose has happened to the old man? Well, cast if I know, Peter. 
Knocked on the head by the bears, I should think. Yeah. Perhaps he's gone off on his own. Possible, do you think? Double life? Giddy old blighters, some of these city men, right? Oh, no, 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 hang it all, Peter. I mean, I wouldn't care to say that. No, he's a decent old domestic bird, and his daughter's a charming girl. Besides, he's straight enough. He'd do you down fast enough, but he wouldn't let you down. And old Anderson's badly cut up about it. Anderson? A chap with property out in the Argentine. He was going to meet Levy yesterday. All to do with a, a railway out there, you know? No, I can't say that I do. Yeah. Well, a Yankee firm named the Milligan Railroad Company wants to build one, but Anderson don't like the scheme one little bit. Now, that's where Levy comes in, you see. He's got the shekels and covers the ground, so he could boycott Milligan's beastly railway whenever he likes. But now he's on a bunk like this, well, Anderson's afraid it'll all be UP. Interesting. Who's Milligan's London representative? Uh, one of the brothers, John P. Milligan. Offices in Lombard Street. Yeah. Anything else happening on this change? Well, oil's in a bad way. Uh, Levy's made a difference there, too. But uh, there's been a funny little boom in Peruvians. Everyone's talking about it, wondering whether he was concerned in that as well. Why should he be? Well, no reason, but it's deuced all. Peruvians were absolutely dud. Then they suddenly took on a little lease of life at the end of last week. Whoever's buying, though, started selling again yesterday. Yeah, it's Levy's line of country. Worth looking into then, perhaps. Mm. Oh, thank you. I didn't know Levy had a charming daughter, Freddie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Met her mamma last year abroad. That's how I got to know the old man. Oh, well, you might do worse. Money's money, ain't it? And Lady Levy is quite a redeeming point. At least my mother knew her people. <laughs> I suppose they've sent for her, by the way. Well, I suppose so. Mm -hmm. I say, Peter, I met a pop round and express sympathy or something. Huh? That's the idea. And I'll buzz around to Lombard Street. I think I'd like a few words with Mr. John P. Milligan. I wonder what line I shall take. Uh, Mr. Milligan. Yeah? A gentleman has called to see you, sir, and presented his car. Now, look here, Scoot. I'm too busy to see. Oh, it's a... Lord Peter Whimsey. Yeah, well, very well. We'll show him in, Scoot. Yes, sir. My lord, Mr. Milligan will see you now. Oh, I say, thanks awfully. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Milligan. Mm -hmm. Most uncommonly good of you to let me come round wasting your time like this. I'll try not to be too long about it, though I'm not awfully good at coming to the point, don't you know? I'm very pleased to meet you, Lord Whimsey. Oh, uh, won't you take a seat there? Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. But, oh, I'm not a peer, you know. No, 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 no. That, that's my brother, Denver. Now, my name is Peter. Silly name, I sometimes think, what? <laughs> but we always have a Peter. After the um, third duke, don't you know, who betrayed five kings somewhere about the Wars of the Roses. <laughs> Come to think of it, that ain't anything to be proud of, really, is it? Still, one has to make the best of it, what? Uh, yes, yes. Well, uh... Well, uh, Lord Peter, can I uh, do something for you? Well, do you know, I, uh, I I was rather wondering if you would. Look, it's damn cheek to ask you, but the fact is that my mother, don't you know, she's the most energetic, self-sacrificing sort of woman, don't you see? And she's thinking of getting up a sort of charity bazaar down at Denver this winter in aid of the church roof, you know. Mm -hmm. Very sad case, Mr. Milligan. Fine old antique, all tumbling to pieces, vicar catching rheumatism at early service and so on, you know, know the sort of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, I say, I do beg your pardon most frightfully. I'm afraid I've been beastly long-winded. 
But the fact is, you see, my mother thought it'd be an awfully interesting sideshow at this bazaar or what have you to have some lectures, sort of little uh, talks, don't you know, by eminent businessmen of all nations. Well, I thought of asking someone from the big newspaper combines, don't you know, to sort of represent British advertising talent, what? And a leading German financier, if... <laughs> if there ain't too much feeling against it. <laughs> and, of course, I shall have to find somebody or other to do the Hebrew point of view. Uh, I thought, actually, of asking Levy, you know. I And he's floated off in a most inconvenient way. Oh, yes, yes. That's a, that's a very curious thing, Lord Peter, uh, Sir Reuben's disappearance. Yeah, it is, you know, isn't it? It sure is. Although I don't mind admitting it's a... Uh, Convenience to me. Oh, really? Well, yes. He, he had a cinch on my railroad combine, and uh, a little deal I've got on is going to be much easier to bring off in his absence. Of course, I've uh, I've nothing against him personally, so uh, if he turns up afterwards, I'll be happy to give him the right hand of welcome. Oh. Well, it's a rum go, Mr. Milligan, but I dare say the old Johnny had his reasons for vanishing, what? Well, I sincerely hope so, Lord Peter. Yes. But, uh, well, uh, to return to the Duchess's Bazaar... The, uh... Oh! Oh, yes. oh <laughs> yeah. How silly of me, mumbling on like that. Uh, yes, Mr. Milligan, yes, my mother would be um, frightfully pleased and grateful to you if you'd come down and, and, and stay a day or two and just give us a breezy little word on the almighty dollar. Well, I, I, yes, I, I'd like to, Lord Peter. I'll come with great pleasure, and uh, perhaps you'd be kind enough to accept a little donation to the preservation fund. Oh, but well, I, Scoot, I didn't... Uh, sir, Scoot, will you write out a check for a thousand pounds, Lord? Peter here at once. Oh, I say, and Mr. Milligan, that's awfully decent of you, but well, you better not give it to me, you know. I, I might spend it or lose it or something. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not very reliable, I'm afraid. Uh, the vicar's the, the, the right person, yes. The, uh, the, if you write this down, the, the Reverend Constantine Throgmorton, St. John before the Latin Gate Vicarage, Duke Stenver. And if you'd uh, like to send it there, I'm sure they'd be no end grateful. Yeah. Yes, well, have you got that, Scoot? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thanks awfully, Mr. Milligan, and, and it's been uncommonly good of you to be bothered with me like this. Mustn't waste any more of your time now. My mother will write to you about the date when it's all settled. Well, I'm, I'm charmed, Lord Peter, and very pleased to have met you. Goodbye, Mr. Goodbye. Milligan. <laughs> I wonder what my mother will say. Taxi? Taxi! Ah, taxi, uh, number 9A Park Lane, please. Kidnapped? I don't say so, Charles. I just say the Milligan's got a very good motive for, at any rate, suspending Levy for a few days. Milligan looks all right, but... Well, I believe he's pretty ruthless in business, and you never can tell. He's got a red-headed secretary, too, name of Scoot. Face like a fish. Suspicious-looking beast. Hardly evidence, Peter. Anyway, shall we go upstairs and have a look at Sir Reuben's bedroom? Yes, right here. Oh, Graves! Could you ask Bunter to step up? Yes, my lord. Oh, thank you. Come across anything interesting in Levy's papers, old Parker Byrne? Not much. His private diary's full of entries like Tom and Annie to dinner. Mm. And uh, Mr. Freddy Arbuthnot dropped in to tea. He wants to marry Rachel, but uh, I should like someone steadier for my treasure, that sort of thing. <laughs> a prudent fella. <laughs> Any references to Milligan? Yes, to dinner about a fortnight ago. Here we are, anyway. Come along in. 
Now, do you see the impression in the bedclothes, Peter? Mm-hmm. Now, he must have been upset hmm, to have changed a lifelong habit like that. Or ill. How was his health, incidentally, do you know? Who was his doctor? Well, Sir Julian Freak seems to be treating Lady Levy in his capacity as a Harley Street nerve specialist, I presume, rather than director of St Luke's Hospital. Mm-hmm. According to the diary, it was he who advised her to go abroad. Well, he's an old friend of the family, of course. By Jove, Charles, that's mm-hmm. a thought. St Luke's Hospital. Look, if Sir Julian was Levy's appointee on Monday night, that rather explains his appearance in Battersea, what? Well, the old boy just came to see his doctor, uh-huh. I mean... I'll check it, Peter. Well, it's very possible, ain't it? Have you a tape measure, Charles? Hmm? Yeah. Well? Thank you. Hmm. How tall is Sir Reuben? Oh, six foot two. You don't say. Aha! Yeah, uh, tweezers, please, Charles. Yeah. Thank you. You, me little beauty. What? A hair. Yeah, interesting. Where does Levy keep his hats? His hats? Mm hmm. Well, in the dressing room, I suppose. Mm. What are you after? Well, let's have a look, shall we? Ah, yes, three toppers. Uh, one. No. Two. No again. Ah, this is the one. Yes. Yes. On the night of his disappearance, Charles, Sir Reuben was dining at the Ritz, so he wore a topper. It was this one. Peter, what are you talking about? My lord, you wanted to see me? Ah, yes, Bunter, the very man. Uh, have you finished with the photographs? I have developed them back at the flat, my lord. They're just drying, but I won't deny that even at this stage their appearance is interesting. To take them in order, my lord, the little book off the night table had only the marks of one set of fingers. There's a little scar on the right thumb that makes them easy to recognise. The hairbrush, too, my lord, has only the same set of marks. Yes, I thought it might. Go on. The umbrella, the tooth glass and the boots, however, my lord, all have two sets of fingerprints. The hand with the scarred thumb, which I take to be Sir Rubin's, and a set of smudges superimposed on them, if I may put it that way, which may or may not be the same hand in rubber gloves, my lord. Excellent. And what else? The linoleum in front of the washstand is very gratifying, my lord, if you'll excuse my mentioning it. Besides the marks of Sir Reuben's boots, there's a print of a man's naked foot. A much smaller one, not much more than a ten-inch sole, I should say, if you ask me, my lord. And when was the linoleum washed last, Bunter? Monday morning, my lord. Ah, a mistake. A mistake. A little one, but he can't afford it. Well, Charles, your conclusions. I don't know what you're talking about, Peter. You don't? No. Well, let's start on the bed then, shall we? That depression in the bedclothes is five foot ten and not an inch more. But what does that tell you? Levy's six foot two, so if he curls himself up... Charles, have you got any Scottish blood in you? Not that I know of. Why? Because of all the cautious, ungenerous, deliberate and cold-blooded devils I know, you are the most cautious, ungenerous, deliberate and (laughs) cold-blooded. Here am I sweating my brains out to introduce a really sensational incident into your dull and disreputable little police investigation and you refuse to show a single spark of enthusiasm. Well, it's no good jumping to conclusions, Whimsy. I don't quite You don't even crawl distantly in sight of a conclusion. I believe if you caught the cat with her head in the cream jug, you say it was conceivable that the jug was empty when she got there. Well, it would be conceivable, wouldn't it? Oh, curse you! Listen, listen, old Parker Bird. Two sets of fingerprints on everything but the book and the brush. 
two sets of feet on the linoleum, and two kinds of hair in the top hat, one black and one tan. And then, just to make certain that we're on the right track, just one little auburn hair on the pillow. Oh, it almost brings tears to my eyes. Do you mean to say that the I man... mean to say that it was not Sir Reuben Levy whom the cook saw on Monday night on the doorstep. It was another man, perhaps a couple of inches shorter, who came in in Levy's clothes and let himself in with Levy's latchkey. Good God. Oh, he was a bold, cunning devil, Charles. He had on Levy's boots and every stitch of Levy's clothing down to the skin. He had rubber gloves on his hands, which he never took off... And he did everything he could to make us think that Levy slept here on Monday night. He took his chances and he won. He walked upstairs, he undressed. He even washed and cleaned his teeth, though he didn't use the hairbrush for fear of leaving red hairs in it. He had to guess what Levy did with his boots and clothes. One guess was wrong and the other right, as it happened. The bed must look as if it had been slept in, so he gets in and lies there in his victim's very pyjamas. Then, in the morning sometime, well, probably at the deadest hour, between two and three, he gets up, dresses himself in his own clothes that he has brought with him in a bag, and creeps downstairs. If anybody wakes, he's lost. But he's a bold man and he takes his chances. He opens the street door, which he left on the latch when he came in. He then slips out. He walks briskly away in rubber-soled shoes. He's the kind of criminal, Charles, who isn't complete without rubber-soled shoes. And in a few minutes, he is at Hyde Park Corner free. Who is he, Charles? Who is our criminal with the auburn hair? Auburn hair. Oh, what about the secretary fellow? Scoot. Oh, he's about six foot four. Yes. And Milligan's got a head like a potato. Uh, it's a pity we can't put Scoot's head on Milligan's shoulders. Uh, my lord. Mm? My lord, if you'll forgive my mentioning the matter, the photographs I took in Battersea last night, my lord, suggest that whoever put the body in Mr. Thipps's bath was also wearing rubber gloves and boots, my lord. I say there's a thought, Butter. Yes. Ah, oh, come now, Peter. Surely it's only Sug who thinks there's a connection between these two cases. It'd be different if the man in the bath was Levy, but we know for a certainty it wasn't. Just because we have two middle-aged sea mites, one of whom makes tracks without so much as a fig leaf... <laughs> One who turns up clad only in a pince-nez, which is quite useless for purposes of decency, it doesn't mean... Pince-nez? Mr Thomas Crimplesham. I've forgotten all about him. Huh? Well, the chap who claims he owns them. Yes, Charles, Mr Thomas Crimplesham. And there may be a connection after all, O'Laird. Oh. Don't forget that Levy was in Battersea on Monday night, and now we know he didn't return home at twelve, as was supposed. We have no reason to think that he ever left Battersea at all. Yeah. Charles, I am going to find out more about Mr Crimplesham. He may be playing a bold game of bluff, but I want to know how his pince-nez got to Mr Thipps' bathroom. Bunter, we will go tomorrow morning. When is there a good train? Where to, my lord? Salisbury, you ass. 10.50, my lord. Then kindly, Bunter, make arrangements for us to catch it. <laughs> In that episode of Whose Body, the parts were played as follows. Lord Peter Wimsey, Ian Carmichael. Bunter, Peter Jones. Inspector Parker, Gabriel Wolfe. Freddie Arbuthnot, Nigel Lambert. John P. Milligan, Blaine Fairman. Graves, Waiter and Scoot, Peter Williams. Mabel Price, Betty Huntley-Wright. Disappearance of a Financier was adapted by Chris Miller from the book Whose Body by Dorothy L. Sayers. The programme was produced by Simon Brett.
This has been a Nostalgic Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.